Hey, let me give you a, a little bit of friendly advice. We're moving to that season of the year where we run the air conditioning. And so if you are, have a tendency to be too cold, sit on the outsides. Because the air blows out of the two sides and drops in the middle. So if you're cold and you're in the middle, it's because you're in the wrong spot. All right? And if, and if you like it cold, you sit in the middle. So all of you who are freezing, sit on the outside. All of you who are sweating, you sit in the middle. All right? And we'll hand out extra deodorant down the middle. I'm only kidding. <laughs> we did have baptisms in our first service. You can see that uh, we had the privilege of baptizing Gabby Tullock. Uh, graduating high school seniors, going to be going to Berkeley School of Music in the fall. We also had the privilege of baptizing Abby Harris. Actually, her father, John, got a chance to, to uh, baptize her in our first service. It was a, a, a wonderful time. And um, we still always leave an unlit candle on our ledge, reminding us there's still a lot of people who have not moved out of darkness into God's marvelous light, and that we have a role in doing that. So you also notice that our our Ken wasn't here this morning. Ken is actually preaching in a church in Middletown, Connecticut uh, today. What? Rhode Island. Did I say Connecticut? Rhode Island. South of us, all right? We're down that way. And uh, they, so he's down there preaching today, and so we want to uh, be praying for him. I'd love for you to take, take your Bibles and turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can find a Bible there underneath your seat in um, or one in the adjacent seats right around you. Virtually all the seats have a Bible. I'd love for you to turn with me uh, to Ephesians chapter 3. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text today on page 995. 995. Now, I'm going to give you a little warning. I'm going to, I'm going to read the passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay? And they're listed for you at the top of our sermon outline. After we get done with the read, I'm going to start out with a question. What... what what do you think it means to be strengthened with power in the inner man, as Paul talks about in this reading? In addition, why do you think it is that Paul offers this prayer? He's already prayed for the Ephesians in chapter 1. Now he prays for them again in chapter 3. What, what, what do you think is the motivation? What's the heart behind it as he prays for them, as he prays for us? Now in verse 14, Paul comes back to where he started in verse 1 of chapter 3. You know, as they both start with, for this reason, <laughs> you know, and he kind of got off on a tangent on how it is that God had brought him into this marvelous life journey that he had of sharing the gospel to both believers, to both Jews and Greeks all around the world, literally. And finally, he gets back to where he started. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, that phrase, usually Jews prayed with standing upright, hands uplifted, palms turned upwards. When they were in a time of real intense, urgent kind of prayer, they would, they would bow. And this language may actually be more like he was just laid out prostrate before God, just, 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 um, just pleading for God to answer his prayer. And this is what he prays. He says, I, I, he's petitioning the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. And, and here I think you need to make it this differential, and I love what one of the commentators said, between paternity and fatherhood. There, there are people who are biologically the source of new life, but they're not fathers. But here he's talking about God as Father. This is the one who's still engaged with the creation, cares for his creation. And every family has a, 
a connection with God. He says, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And that the Messiah, that's a reference to Christ, may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is the only place in the scripture that I know of that it actually talks about Christ living in our hearts. There's a lot about us being in Christ, Christ being in us, and Christ being in the inner man, but the idea of Christ being in our hearts, and and to me it's very informative because we we often want to make faith an emotional thing, right? You know, do you have Christ in your heart kind of thing? And and that, that kind of subset, and to limit it to that or to prioritize that is just foreign to the New Testament. It, 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 it's much more encompassing. That the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, that's an agricultural and a construction term. You're rooted and, you have gro- and you're grounded. You have a strong foundation of love. May, able to, may, able to, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and the width the height, and the depth. Paul manages to get four dimensions out of a three-dimensional universe, but that's the way he works things. And to know that the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us and in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for just a moment. God, open our, our hearts and our minds now. You know, sometimes we come into service, there's a lot of things that have gone on already in the day, and there's things planned for later on, and, 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 and the surroundings can be so familiar, and we can just kind of get it on cruise control. And I, I pray, Father, now you just would just, just, just dial us in for these 20 minutes to really just listen deeply to what you're saying to us and appropriate it to our own hearts, minds, soul. God, to give us strength. God, your spirit can do that. So we invite your spirit to have leeway among us. Pray for Ken today as he's away preaching. Use him as an instrument of grace in the life of the, the middle t- Middletown Church in Rhode Island. And God, just, just push, place your hands on him in a special way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. No, I told you I was going to ask you a couple questions. So these are not rhetorical questions, so I'm looking for some responses. Actually, in the first service, I had to kind of cut it off. We were going on so long. And uh, so what do you think does it, what, what does it mean to be strengthened with his power in the inner man? Randy. Okay. Have an untouchable sense of security that's really rooted in our faith. Okay? I'm going to echo most of this stuff so those who are listening online can get a feel for what we're talking about. What does it mean to be strengthened by his strength, but by the spirit in the inner man? Ellen. Okay, just an overwhelming sense of, of the presence of God in our lives and, and the power that comes from that, okay? Yeah, a, a sense of real confident assurance that takes us out and does our role. Yeah, Barbara. 
Okay, the strength just to put certain things aside so we can embrace new things, to resist temptation. Stacy. <laughs> yeah, just the, the, the God-inspired courage to be different. Because we don't belong to this world, we belong to a different world. Okay? Okay? Just to be fully surrendered, fully following after God. Yeah, and, and I think later with that idea when he's talking about, you know, that the fullness of God would fill us, that, that, that Christ permeates to such a level it becomes who we are, not just a piece that we have to tap into somehow do. So it, it, it really is our instinct. Let, let's shift over. Why, why, do, why do you think it is that Paul offers this prayer? I mean, he's prayed for them that they would be the kinds of people who can experience all the spiritual blessings that God has given them in the heavenly places. He's already prayed that in chapter 1. But now over here in chapter 3, he's praying for them again. And, he, and, he's, and he's praying slightly differently. Why do you, what, what's, what's behind his heart? What's driving him to his knees to pray for these people? Some puzzled looks on your faces. Okay? Because the plan is to grow the kingdom. Okay? Okay? He, he wants the church to flourish. Okay? He wants them to be all in. Not, not to be holding anything back. Okay? Okay, for there to be a spirit of unity. And certainly that fits with the theme of reconciliation earlier, right? In chapter 2. Okay? So that they would be like Paul... And with that, they'd be agents of Christ's presence in the world, okay? Yeah. So that, let me paraphrase this, so there'd be this incredible spiritual legacy that's created, that's passed on from generation to generation. All right, let, let's, let's kind of look at some of this stuff together. You know, um, I want, I want to kind of deal with the what, what is Paul really talking about here? And then secondly, I want to talk about the why. Why is, it, why is, he, why is he teaching, the, why is he praying these things for them? So Paul's engaged in this intense prayer for um, the, the Ephesians believers. That, and he's praying that according to God's greatest glory, they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now, the inner man is, is, is you know, we, we have all kinds of ways of talking about that, and it's hard to exactly know what they want to include. You know, we can talk about personality and identity and values and priorities and et cetera. And, and, and I, I actually have found for myself that the, the, the best way to kind of unpack what he's talking about here is to look at three kind of key aspects of who we are in the inside that he's, he's praying for the Holy Spirit to transform, if you will, in our lives. And the first of those is really our conscience. 
You know, we have, because of the world that we live in and the way we do life, we have, we have an incredible ability just to get numb towards things, don't we? You know, I, I told the first service, that, you know, a couple years ago, Christina and I were thinking about maybe selling our house and, and buying a different house here in town and that kind of stuff. And so we were looking around, and, and I got looking at my house, and it's a whole different thing when you, when you look at your house to live in it and when you look at your house to sell it. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a lot of things you, never, you didn't notice for a long time, and now you're looking at it and saying, i got to fix that. <laughs> and i got to fix that. You know, we just get dull to this stuff. Right? We don't notice it anymore, right? You know? And, and then you figure, I'm not going to sell. It's just too much work. I'm just staying right here, you know? And, and, but we have that ability in our own life, spiritually and in every other way, just become numb to things. It just no longer makes it, has an impression us on, on more. And I got to tell you, when we're living life like that spiritually, we're in trouble. When, when, when we're not alert and on high sensitivity to how God is guiding us and he's kind of influencing us in terms of what's right and what's wrong, we're, we're, we're struggling to just be the people of God. And, and so he's praying, I, I pray that your conscience will never get dull, that the Spirit will keep you alert to those things that are going to harm you, take God away, drain this, the life of Christ out of you, things that are not going to be profitable, things that aren't going to endure. I pray he'll keep you aware and sensitive and alert and responsive to all of those things so that you can embrace the things that are really best from God. There's also a sense here where he, he, he talks, about, I think, to, to understand about our, our reason. You know, the, the way we, we think, if you will, our, our, our mental capacities, our intellect. I, I think there's a way in which, as he's praying here about them knowing the love of God and knowing kind of what the, what the truth is, he, he, he's praying that, their, that their, their spiritual reason would grow, if you will. So that when we get out there on Tuesday, we know how to use what we learn on Sunday. Now, the Scripture might use the word wisdom for that, but it also has the idea of reason. There's a way in which God engages our minds and is able to use our minds to allow us to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so the Spirit is looking to engage us so that we can understand the truth, apply the truth, understand how it fits in our lives, and, and live it out. And, and I think this is often one of those things where we don't, we don't embrace enough of that. I remember um, I was in Rwanda. You know, I've been going to Rwanda for a number of years. And in this, this past time, I, I actually stayed at the same place where we were teaching. So in some ways, I had a lot more of a chance to interact with the Rwandan pastors. And one of the guys who's been coming, he's there. Every, he, he missed one time because it was just too dangerous for him to, to leave the Congo and be able to come, the DRC. It was just too dangerous for him to come, so he didn't come. But the rest of the time, the, he's come to every single one. He's actually uh, Theo, Theo's father-in-law. His name is Elijah. 72 years of age. This big, huge hulk of a guy who's still just in incredible shape. He, he, I think he's the only guy who hasn't fallen asleep when I'm teaching. You know, I mean, he, he just, he, he's just alert and dialed in, and he's still growing. And, and I, I finally had the first opportunity to really kind of sit and talk with him, and I was, I was telling him, well, uh, you know, Tell me about how, you know, he's been pastor in churches for 55 years. And, and I said, well, well, how'd you become a Christian? And, and how'd you get into the, to ministry and stuff? And, and he, he described to me a time, he said literally he was walking through an open plain all by himself. 
And he said, and, 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 a, and a voice just spoke to him and told him to believe in Jesus. And, and he just went on to describe a, really, it was almost a season in the life of Jesus. He said, you could be walk, walking along and you could see a guy way up in the top of the hill farming, and they actually do that in Rwanda, way up in the top of it. And he said, you could just yell out to him, do you want to believe in Jesus? And the guy would yell back from the top of the mountain, yes. And, 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 and people just coming to know Christ. And, and, he, and he described to me, he was 16 years of age when he came to know Christ. He had never been to school a day in his life. He couldn't read a word. And the moment that he believed, God gave him the ability to read. Now, he wasn't reading college level. He said when he tested out, he, he, he started out in the third grade. And then he actually went on to complete school and became a teacher, believe it or not, while he was pastoring for a while. But just like that, God gave, God energized his reason, energized his mind, right? God wants us to grab on, to change our minds. The, the last aspect, I think, along with our conscience, is, is our will. And it's one thing to know what is the right thing to do. It's another thing to have the discipline to do the things that you know you want to do. And and this isn't about human effort kind of thing. This is the, the Spirit of God kind of energizing us. I, 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 watched a, I don't often watch videos of other guys preaching, but I, I love the way this guy put it on this particular occasion. He, he talked about the fact so often we focus in our journey on, on saying no, no, no to sin. He said, but what we ought to be doing is, is growing our, our heart for God, growing our will, if you will, to do the things of God. It just, it just collapses and forces the sin right out. There's just no room for it left anymore. So he's talking about asking God to step into the lives of these people and energize their reason, their conscience, and their wills. And, and we often have this idea that, that being strengthened with God's Spirit in the inner man, that somehow or another it, it makes us kind of like we're, we're, we're like spiritual giants, Right? You know, like people who are, you know, like the ones who are on like spiritual steroids. You know, we just seem to be that far ahead of the, the curve. And the ones who are really doing all the incredible things for Jesus kind of stuff. And I got to tell you, that's really a foreign notion to the scriptures. Now, let, me, let me show you some things. And you might just want to make a few references here on your outlines as we're going along. But, you know, when you read through the New Testament and you look at what it means to be strengthened with God's spirit in the inner man, this is what you're going to see. Like in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul says, you know, those who are strengthened by God's Spirit in the inner man are people who are able to live with hope. That means that they're able to put off gratification now for glorification later. These are people who are able to live life now without fear of death and eternity. It, it's, it, and, and he says, if you... If you are energized by the Holy Spirit in the inner man, and you're li if you're living with hope today, you are strengthened by the Spirit of God in the inner man. He also talks about the fact that, that um, in Philippians chapter 4, you know, we love this passage, where 12 and 13, we love the passage of 13, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, that doesn't mean that you have the ability to pick up a Mack truck with two hands all by yourself. That's not what I mean. You have to put it in context with what goes beforehand. Paul says, you know what? This is something I've learned to do because God's Spirit has worked within me. He says, whether I have a lot or whether I have little, I'm content. Whether my plate is overflowing with food or whether there's nothing to eat and I'm hungry, because I'm content. He says, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It, it, 
If you're able to live your life with a spirit of contentment, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, whether you're being really successful or whether you're struggling just to make it, you're living with the strength of the Spirit of God in the inner man. That's what the Scripture teaches. You know, in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, Paul talks about us having this treasure, the presence of God in earthen vessels, and, and, and there's all kinds of efforts to crush it and destroy it. Except, and he says, but we endure all these things so that Christ can be on display. And, and, if, and if we're living our lives with the intent and the purpose of Christ being on display through us, we're living with the inner spirit, the inner man being strengthened by God. Let me give you just, just maybe one more. There's a couple of other things we could do, but just one more. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the ninth verse, Paul's been praying and asking God to take the thorn in the flesh away from him, and, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. You know, if, if, you're, if you're somebody who's willing to just embrace the circumstances that you have, the, the weaknesses, the, the, the struggles that you're in the midst of, and use them as a platform to display God's grace. So often we get into that place and what we're pleading is, God, take my circumstances away. But if you're somebody saying, in the midst of my circumstances, I'm going to display the grace of God, the, the power of God, then you're living with the strength of the Spirit in the inner man. Paul also prays that they would comprehend and know the love of Christ. It's interesting, he uses terminology there that's both rational in the sense of knowing from an intellectual or doctrinal perspective the love of God, but they would also know it in an experiential sense. You know, and... and you know, you might make this application, if you will, to, to, to marriage. You know, when Christina tells me why she loves me, tells me that she loves me, and then she gives me the reasons why she loves me. It's a pretty short list, but she gives me the reasons why she loves me. You know, then I, I can know that up here, okay, and still wonder why, you know, uh, kind of idea. But when she shows it to me, when I experience it in the ways that she treats me, the things that she does for me, the way we interact with one another, et cetera, th those kinds of things, then, then I experience in, in, a, in, a, in an emotional, relational kind of way her love as well. And, and Paul's praying, he says, man, I want you to know and experience the love of Christ. And, and I want this to be something that all the saints do. You know, you notice that in verse 18? It says, I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the width and the height and the depth, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul is, is praying that the God who's in charge of everything, to, to whom everything is connected as Father, that he would take his power and, and his glory and display it in the way he strengthened us in the inner man and the way that we come to experience and to know and to have confidence in his love for us. Now, now wh why is he praying these things? Because uh, to me, that makes all the difference in the world. And a lot of the answers we gave early, earlier were, were really right on track, but I, I want you to kind of follow along the thought patterns here that are unfolding, if you will, in, in the book of, uh, 
of Ephesians. Paul's talked about the way that God has blessed the, the Ephesians in the heavenly place with, with all spiritual blessings. And then in chapter 2, he starts to talk about the way that God is putting everything back together. He's putting man and God back together. He's putting man and man back together. Later, he's going to be talking about how he, he puts man on the inside back together as we learn how to put off the old self and put on the new. He's going to talk about the way that he puts families back together. And he's putting it all back together in Christ. It's all about reconciliation. And so you see that in the two sections of Ephesians chapter 2. God reconciling man to himself and God reconciling man to man as Christ has broken down the dividing wall through the cross. And then Paul just as he starts in on his prayer in chapter 3, he, get, he gets captivated by the fact that God has called him into this ministry of declaring this reconciliation. He says, you know, God, in, in verses 7 and 8, you know, he puts it this way. He says, I was made a servant of this gospel, you know, and this grace was given to me, the least of all, to proclaim to the Gentiles all the incalculable riches of the Messiah. But in the heart, in the back of his mind, in his heart, what he knows is God's intent is that that declaration is going to happen through the church. It's going to happen through the church. The way that God is going to unfold his reconciliation of putting it all back together is through the church. It's through all the saints. And so if they're going to be people who are the instruments that God uses collectively, to declare his reconciliation to the world. Man, they, they got, they've got to be able to be strengthened by God's power in the inner man. And, they, and they've got to know the, the breadth and the width and the depth of the love of God. You know, when you think about this, this love piece, if you will, and he uses this terminology, I, you know, you, what, what did Paul actually mean or whatever? I think he's just trying to use descriptive words to, to kind of overwhelm us with the, the sense that God's love is almost indescribable and, un, un, and incomprehensible. But if you wanted to put some meaning with this, when you think about the breadth of God's love, it encompasses all men. Not a single one's left out. When you think about the length of God's love, the length that it would go to is that even his own son would die on a cross for us. When you think about its depth, it's that he would die for all. Not just some, but die for all. And that at the height of his love is that even now while he's in the heavenlies, he still loves us and has always loved us. And I, I got to tell you, if we're going to be the church that is God's instrument to reconcile man to God and man to man, and families to one another. We've got to be people who are head over heels in love with people. And that only comes from knowing the love of God in our own lives. i got to tell you, there's a lot of people outside the walls of this church building and a few inside the church building that are pretty hard to love. You know, I may be one of them. I don't know. You know, and, and but... If you and I aren't overwhelmed by God's love for us, we're never going to have the capacity to love the world and be God's reconciling, reconciling agents. And, and to me, you know, as, as I think about being strengthened with God's power in the inner man, and, and you're thinking about the fact that it, it creates a sense of determination, 
a, a, a spirit of perseverance, a resistance to discouragement. I got to tell you, if we're going to be the church of Christ in the world, that's the people we've got to be. You know, I'm sure the Ephesian church was thinking, how in the world are we going to have any kind of impact on our culture? I mean, we live in Ephesus. We're dominated by the temple, Diana. Nobody wants to really listen to anything. It's just too far gone. God just needs to blow it up and start over again. And Paul says, no, he says, God is going to display his glory through the church. And you even haven't begun to see what God can do through the church. Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or even think. According to the power that's at work within you. Sometimes we get discouraged just because it doesn't seem like the church is having much of an impact. And he calls us to be a people who are so rooted and grounded and so strengthened in the inner man that we overcome that discouragement. And we plug in. I got to tell you, you know, as, as a pastor, I've, I've been pastoring now for, for 25 years. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged when you're in ministry. You know, uh, even now, I mean, uh, our, our church planter, Shane, there are days when, you know, it's like today. It's going to be 75 degrees out. 530 is going to roll around for people who need to show up to go to church at 6. And there's not going to be near as many people there as there are some other Sundays. And, and it's easy to get discouraged. You get discouraged because, you know, you, you understand that every single person sitting in the pew who has faith in Jesus Christ is intended by God to be an instrument of reconciling the world to himself as he plugs into the church, or she plugs into the church. And yet some of them, you can talk to them over and over and over and over and over again, and there's absolutely zilch response. We, we've got leaders here who have just said, you know what? Nobody wants to do anything. I, I, just, I just don't want to do this anymore. And they want to go sit in the sidelines. And that's discouraging. I've seen leaders who really have stepped into things, who want to do the right things the right way, and somehow or another they get pushed to the sidelines because somebody just kind of beats on them a little bit. And it's discouraging when you think that you and I together as all the saints are God's intended instruments to create reconciliation in the universe. Not just even through the inside of these four walls. And so Paul understands what's ahead of them, right? He says, man, you know, there are going to be days it's pretty tough to love the world. You know, when the people are standing there with the rocks in their hands ready to stone you, it's really tough to be in love with them. He said, so you know what? I, I want to pray that you are rooted and you are grounded in the incomprehensible love of God for you so you don't shake in that moment. It's going to be discouraging at times. The work is going to discourage you. The people are going to discourage you at times. There, there, there's going to be ways in which we can just get tired. We want to give up. He says, I want you to be strengthened with God's power in the inner man so that you can overcome that discouragement and keep in the game because God's church is something that he can use in a way that we can't even begin to dream about. So the question I really started to ask myself was, why isn't this prayer fulfilled in our lives very often. You know, I, I think many of us sitting here today would say, you know, well, there's maybe been times and et cetera, but wh why, why is this prayer not really fulfilled in people's lives? And let me give you my take on it. 
and I, and I want to tell you, this is, this is not thus saith the Lord, but this is what Neil thinks, okay? But, but I think it has value. You know, we pray this prayer often so that we can be blessed rather than to be a blessing. When you're, when you're just praying this prayer, you know, God, if, if, my, if you would just strengthen me in the inner man, my life would be better. I don't, I don't think you're going to get answered. But if you're praying this prayer, God, I want to be strengthened with your power through the Spirit in the inner man because, God, I, I want to keep serving even though I don't feel like it anymore. I think your prayer is going to get answered. Or I want to be strengthened with God's power in the inner man by his Spirit so that I can serve, because, and I've never served before because I've just been scared to death or too busy. I think your prayer is going to get answered. You know, when... When we're praying this personally so that somehow or another we can get from God, I don't think it's going to get answered. But when we're praying this personally and corporately so that God can fill us so that we can serve, I think the prayer is going to get answered. I think that's when we're going to know the love of God that just really is beyond comprehension. And in some ways you just can't even describe it. But you're going to know it and experience it. And you're, you're going to have an inner strength and a determination that things could be falling apart all around you, and, and you're just not going to bend because you've been strengthened because you're praying it to be used of God as a part of his corporate sainthood to reconcile the world to himself. So the question, I think, really is, is this prayer being answered in your life? Is this prayer being answered in my life? I mean, this prayer was prayed over 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul at God's behest. It's still being prayed for us today. Is this prayer being answered in your life? Why or why not? Let's pray together. Father, I confess to you that there are times I drive up the driveway of Hope Chapel and, I, and I, I wonder how we can really be of any use to you to bring a lost and hurting world together and to bring a lost and hurting world to you. And Father, then you remind me that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond that I could, all that I could even think or imagine. Could even come close to asking for. But God, those things aren't going to happen until this prayer gets answered in us. So God, where the prayer is being answered, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate you as the Father who gives glory to his children. And Father, where it's not being answered, change us from the inside out. God, thank you for the church. Thank you that we can have a love affair with the church. God, I know that there are some who've had experiences with church life and, and it's just hard. They think they have all the reasons in the world why they should just go pull up a corner chair, and never do a thing again. 
God, I, I pray that you'd strengthen us in the inner person with your spirit together as all the saints. God, that you would do so so that Hope Chapel would never be that kind of place. And that we would be an instrument which people, where people can see the love of God displayed in a way that we are reconciled to you and to each other. God, answer our prayer. Answer Paul's prayer for us. In Jesus' name.